The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 171st episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Somewhat, and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. But man, how you doing? Merry Christmas season to everyone out there. Uh, yes, I am that guy to cel- start celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving, but you know, Thanksgiving's dope. I love it. It's one. Of, it's actually my second favorite holiday, so I'm not trying to skip over it. Got to get that grub in. But I am doing well. Had an excellent weekend. My Kansas City Chiefs, another comeback victory. Magic Mahomes is his name. I would just like to, you know, like, well, the San Francisco game was kind of like that, but where we just, like, get the lead and hold it and it's over. But the most exciting news is for all of you that don't know, I mention it often. I am a Florida State fan, and Florida State has two rivalries in college football, like two legit rivalries, are Florida and Miami. This week, my Florida State Seminoles, my beautiful, beautiful Seminoles, destroyed, dog-walked, spanked, molly-walked. Any of the different terms you want to use, Miami. And for all of you that don't know anything about college football and completely ignore me, just ignore the next minute. But Miami booked, had Florida State as their homecoming and had 90 recruits on the sideline to watch them get destroyed by Florida State. God, that was so good. It turned turned into a recruiting trip for us. We beat them so bad. Again, if you don't know anything about college sports, that means nothing to you. All you hear is wah, 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 wah. All you need to know is Florida State good, Miami bad, Florida State won. The good guys won, which is all that matters to me. So that was an excellent weekend. I sucked in fantasy football, went 0-2 in my money leagues this weekend. But honestly, that Florida State whooping, Kansas City could have got blown out, and I would have been okay because – I have my favorite game in college football every year is Florida State versus Miami. That happened. Uh, man, then I got to watch uh, after Florida State game, I watched the crown jewel, the crown jewel. And, man, so really enjoyed Lesnar versus Lashley, big man slapping meat. 
And that was because there was two matches I wanted to see that one and then almost versus Braun. And you know what? I was planning to come on here and not spend too long, but kind of gush over almost versus Braun. Because I, you know, big man match, not expecting a lot. I thought they did a really good job telling the story they were going to tell. And then Braun Strowman gets on Twitter yesterday and just fucking ruins it. Ruins it. I should expect nothing less from that man. Dang it, dude. You had a good match. I felt like some people were about to jump back on the Strowman Express. And then he's just going to try to like bury all wrestling. I love a good big man match as much as the next person. But no wrestling is better than any other wrestling. Now, there's some wrestling I don't get. Not for me. That's fine. And then there's some wrestling, you know, that I love, but that's not for other people. It's just so annoying when it's like, oh, let me ramble, ramble, ramble. And he was probably joking. But I always say, to me, certain tweets reek of lack of friends involved. Because I have some dumbass tweets that I'll send out. And I'll be talking to JR. And I'm like, I'm going to tweet this. And you know what JR will say? That's a dumbass tweet. You know? And then I won't tweet it. So every time you think, man, nothing stupid's come out online. It's because JR has my back. Because I have a friend. I feel like Ron needed a friend there to say, "Hey, man, you're not gonna win with that tweet." You know, you know what, you know what else he needed a friend. Uh, he needed a friend when he decided to tweet about like, "Oh, you indie wrestlers, just get work." Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic, when he had a multi-million dollar WWE deal at the time. And yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like when you 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 let your guard down. And you're like, "Man, I'm gonna start liking Braun Strowman," and then he's like, "Uh, you know what? You shouldn't." hate me and it's like but you're a face now if you were a heel okay get on there and say all the fucked up shit you want to because you want people to boo you but right now you want people to cheer you and buy your merch so why would you put such a divisive tweet out there i'm not i'm not arguing him thinking that think what you want this is some things you shouldn't say that was one of them there was no win you know like like what were you hoping to accomplish now if he says my whole goal was accomplished was to piss everybody off. Then guess what? I tip my hat to you because you even pissed your own coworker off to to the point where Mustafa Ali is like, "Well, can you show me how to get fired?" And I'm just like, "Damn, damn, nigga came for the juggler." And I do came for the juggler. Uh, I'm just saying, if I had to go to work and that six eight, <laughs> three hundred and forty pound guy was there, I probably wouldn't have said that. Probably, yeah. I probably wouldn't have said it. I'm just saying that's to me. I'm all about preserving life, mine especially, and <laughs> so I would not. <laughs> I probably would not pick a fight with Ron Strowman. But hey, hey, Mustafa Ali used to be a former cop. He probably taken down a few people. Probably not that big, because you know, not a lot of people walking around that big. But you know, he's taken down some people bigger than him. He's maybe he can hold his own. But yeah, we'll see. It's it, but overall, just in a really joyous mood. I'm getting my Christmas list together. Santa Floyd's coming to town. Uh, yeah, got some big plans. Y'all need to be watching my Twitter because got some big plans of stuff I'm doing for some people in my life, and I like to share those with the world because you know what? Spread joy and love and all that good shit. And meanwhile, uh, since I know nobody truly cared about the Florida State comment, let's really talk about the thing that everyone cares about, which is that the Detroit Lions won a fucking football game. 
We beat the Packers. Baby Aaron Rodgers. Wah, wah, wah. My team sucks. No one can play the way I want them to play. My receivers drop a lot. Well, I mean, that is true. Absolutely. But also, you don't hand the ball off to your best player in Aaron Jones. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. Fuck the Packers. Fuck Green Bay. Detroit got a win over that garbage team. And now, shockingly, we're only two games back of a wild card spot because the NFC is a train wreck. I am all aboard on the Lions fluking their way in here, even though my coach makes baffling fourth down decisions every day of the week. I don't care because I hate the Packers, and I'm very happy. All of my teams won this week, so I'm very happy. Michigan, Michigan State, I know. I support both. I'm in the middle. I'm, I just want both teams to be good because I cover both, and my sister went to MSU, and I I just want CMU to be the best, which will never happen. But uh, And then the Red Wings and the Pistons won, so it was a great weekend for Detroit. Detroit versus everybody, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Oh Yes, the Detroit Lions, the really – Average at football. I just saw. A tweet. They're not even average, dude. They're garbage. I, I just saw a tweet, so I have to ask you. They put up Rocky two, Rocky three, and Rocky four. Pick one. Which one are you picking? Rocky two, Rocky three, or Rocky four? Yeah. Well, because here's the deal. Um, I'm okay. This this is gonna probably be our longest intro because now you've brought up Rocky and I have. To, I know, like, and it's just like yeah. really hard. For you. Ro- let's be fair here right now, because if we're being if. Because here's the deal. Rocky 1 is obviously the best out of all. I'm not counting the Creed franchise. I kind of consider that a little different, especially with the third one now. Oh, yeah. It's a completely different franchise. Yeah. But um, Rocky 1 is obviously the best. Rocky 2, about as good of a sequel as you could possibly do with a movie like Rocky. Um, Though the silliness of the double knockdown is still silly. But, I mean, that's kind of what became part of the franchise once 3 and 4 happened with Club Lang and... Ivan Drago. I would have to say, for me personally, uh, I think that with the combination of the music, the montages, just the overall spectacle, and like the memorable scenes, I got to go with fucking Rocky Four. It's just so crazy. I that would be the one I keep out of all of them. I can I can only keep one. I'm gonna keep Rocky Four because. I mean, the things I could pull from that movie. The fucking dumbass robot that shouldn't be in the movie, but I am so happy that it's in the movie. Climbing up a mountain. The music by Survivor getting burning heart. Hearts on fire. Uh, the best fucking song in any movie, that No Easy Way Out, and that whole scene. Uh, we got Living in America from fucking Dude. That whole scene with Apollo Creed and Drago just being so confused and just ready to kill this man. Um... And just, like, the lines I could pull from this. Fucking Polly, I am the unsilenced majority, big mouth. It's just, I'd have to go with four, just because, of, like, there's too much I can pull from. It's obviously probably not the best movie altogether, but in terms of something that I would watch to death, Rocky Four. And this is where we agree, because, let me tell you, it's Rocky Four all the way to me. Um... That be mostly because, uh, like when you grow, when I was growing up, we had we stole cable and we had TNT, right? And uh, with that, um, yeah, it came on. I wouldn't say every day, because you know memories are foggy, but it felt like it came on every day. Our our family had a uh, had a box set of the first five movies. That's awesome. 
So I came on like and just watch, yeah, watching Drago, and then you knew I grew up in the eighties. So it, you know, Cold War was still a thing. America versus Russia was still a thing. That's what that you know movie was all about. Uh, yeah, I just I really dug it. Uh, big Bridget Nielsen guy myself when I was growing up. Tall blonde, all all all, mm-hmm. all about that. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was all about that too, because uh, he married her. Uh, but no, um, yeah, I really, I mean, Rocky Four is it's four three two in that order for me. And yeah, and I here's the thing, and the reason why I would agree with you on that regard is because while I love Rocky Two, I kind of have to only watch it when I'm in the middle of like the movie marathon. Because yes. if I want to watch, if I want to watch, if I want to watch Rocky Two. Chances are I want to watch the first one. And if, if I'm going to choose between the first or the second one, I'm choosing the first one every single time. Yeah, yeah that's an easy choice. Yeah. And then three, I love three, and it probably has the better story in my opinion because the idea of Rocky going from being the underdog to being champ and kind of losing his way is way better than just, you have to kill this Russian guy. Uh, despite all of that, um, I still can't get over the fucking montages and music and the fighting and how ridiculously sounding the punches are. Um, I watched the director's cut actually that Stallone directed over the pandemic. They took out some stuff that I liked, like a lot of stuff that I liked. I, I, I dug the fact that Stallone did it and he did a documentary of him making the director's cut. I thought it was really cool, but I'm going to choose the original still every time just because I mean, it's iconic to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, like I said, I just know how big of a huge of a fan of the Rocky series that you are. So I really, I really had to ask that question. You know, I do. I, I got the honor of meeting Carl Weathers earlier this year. So no way. Yeah. So I got the honor of meeting Carl Weathers earlier this year. So that was cool. But that dude's prices are ridiculous. So like, if you want, sure. a, uh, you want an eight by ten, I think it was like sixty bucks, right? Right. Uh, yeah, the sixty bucks, no big deal. But let's just say you want, like, let's say I bought a Apollo Creed Funko Pop, fifteen bucks. Yeah, it's three hundred for him to sign it. Wow, dude. Here's the deal: if I was, if I was ever gonna meet any of the cast members of the sh- of the movie, um, I'd want to meet Burt Young, uh, because Paulie is got is amazing, and Burt Young is still very, very proud and, and happy about those, and um. Um, I wish I could have met Murgis Meredith. Of course, he has to die the year I was born. God damn it! Fucking miss you, Mickey. But he was a um, hundred. He was like a hundred when he did. The I don't care, yeah. dude. I never. Come on, I mean, bro. You were like, you were born what twenty years after that first movie came out. We're not even going to talk about that. But <laughs> yeah. also, um, I would probably because I mean Stallone is probably one of my favorite actors of all time, just because of just the outrageousness of like how his story is and the fact that he sounds the way that he sounds, but he is still legendary when it comes to acting. Uh, Stallone would be one of those guys like name your price. I really don't care if I got a chance to meet Sylvester Stallone. I would drop whatever was asked Dude, because. So. So, be the coolest fucking thing. So they have a LA meet Sylvester Stallone experience, right? And it's uh I think it was seven hundred and fifty bucks to a thousand bucks. I think it all goes to charity. And it was seven hundred and fifty That at bucks. least I appreciate. You you know, he does his little one man thing, talk about it, and then you get like a picture and like an autograph eight by ten and it's seven hundred and fifty bucks. And people are like, Would you pay that? I was like, dude, if that was the rock, I would pay two grand. 
I would literally call in every favor, every loan I could if I was broke at that time. And I would pay two grand and I wouldn't flinch or anything because it's the rock. So I'm like, Sylvester Stallone at 750. I'm like, you're talking about Rocky. You're talking about Rambo, the expendables, all the great things he's done. He is a Hollywood legend. $750 is cheap. That is him saying, hey, I just want to meet some people because he can charge whatever number he wants. So, because he's Sylvester Stallone. So, I don't know. Him, Schwarzenegger, you know, you got the people that were the basic of my childhood. Uh, like I was going to say, Rocky Three is two on my eyes because when I was a kid, you want to talk about being a mark for somebody. I, you know, I've always said I was an Arn Anderson fan my whole life. I was this fan my whole life. Dude, when I was three and four, there were two people that meant everything in the world to me. And... I would have like three, four year old died for Michael Jackson. Yes. had the little glove and I was doing the spins and all that stuff. And Mr. T. Oh my God. Mr. T in the 18. I had the Mr. T cereal. I would say I pity the fool all the time. I asked to get the haircut like Mr. T. I have you seen Mr. T? Have you seen Mr. T's anti-drug uh, campaign? Like, like his say no to drugs video, like commercial that he's the in. 80s? Yes. Yes. Yes legendary yes. where he like shakes you not to do drugs yes he abuses you not to do drugs dude 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 yeah i was mr t mark i was mr t mark like it was funny i was at uh i was at uh dale and, and funny story about meeting the miss is i was at dale and mr t was supposed to come do uh one of the sales events for dale and I don't can I I don't know I guess I can say the company name on here but this was a long time ago and he couldn't make it and I was so excited Mr T was gonna be in our building so excited and he couldn't make it and they, then I was like oh who are they gonna bring in oh they brought in the Miz and Goldberg <laughs> so I got to meet both of them in the building of my job without ever leaving. That's freaking cool, dude. And, and that was like dude like Mr T was great. But you, you replaced him with Mrs. Goldberg. I'm okay with that. Because Goldberg lives, he just drove up. He lives very close to Oklahoma. He's in Dallas or whatever. So he just drove up. The Miz actually was at Raw the night before. He took a red eye all night from Toronto to do the thing in Oklahoma City. So when he talks about how he's the hardest working person in the WWE, that night just like, before I even started saying that, that night proved to me that dude has an incredible work ethic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say right now, because we, we got to get into the show. I, I love this little Rocky intro that we did, uh, but we got to get to AEW. That's what people yes. came here for. Yes. Give um, the people what they want. Now, uh, real quick before the final thing I'll say before we get started with everything. Um, I know y'all have been dealing with my shitty internet for the past couple episodes, and I want to apologize for that. There was technical issues that I wasn't able to solve for a while, and it confused the hell out of me. I believe now we are in the clear. Like, I've been talking, and I've been at full bars this entire time. Floyd has never had to be like, oh, I lost you for a second. We have been in the clear for this good period of this episode. So I think from this moment on, unless I catch things happening, we should be in the clear with my internet. So again, thanks for putting up with that. I apologize again for all the messes that it caused because, I mean, it just made the episodes a lot more difficult to listen to. But we should be fine now, and thank you for being patient with me. 
But we got a lot to talk about for this episode of All Things Elite. We're getting closer and closer to full gear, so we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff, including AEW Dynamite and Rampage, which had a big, big surprise for this past week, which we're going to have to talk about. Uh, but first, guys, please keep downloading the show on Apple and Google Podcasts. Give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. And also shout out to our Spotify listeners. You can also leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the big news of the week is the fact that Full Gear is getting closer and closer. We're on the countdown to Full Gear, and we're getting more matches that have been announced for Full Gear outside of our AEW Championship match between Jon Moxley and MJF that we are going to be getting. Um, And yeah, I'm absolutely ecstatic for Full Gear. I think it's going to be a really great show with some of the stuff that they've already announced. I'm sure we'll talk about it as things go on, but... Uh, full gear is getting closer and closer and I mean the excitement is building for sure this seems like it could be a banger of a show to close out the year dude let me tell you most exciting part I was going to full gear by myself I've been really like I'm really on this uh, try to do better with money and I'm like I spend frivolously I give frivolously that's what I do uh, so uh, I've been trying to do better so I just like hey I'm just gonna go to full gear by myself and then this week Mr. Dave Finishell's a uh, friend of the show, Dave, uh, said, hey, my wife has the kids. Uh, my wife has the kids next week. So, you know, on uh, full gear week, so I can come with you, which is great. Because, you know, I love going to wrestling shows. But I like going to wrestling shows with my friends better. So the fact that he could make it and meet me in the beautiful state of New Jersey, which I don't think anyone ever has called New Jersey a beautiful state. But, uh, yes, I get to go watch Full Gear, which is cool. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. Oh, man, speaking of New Jersey, and, and this is just a throwaway. We can move on. I get to meet Kevin Smith this weekend, so I'm really excited about that. Shout out. Yeah. He is that- going to be doing his show here, and he's doing a signing the day before his show. So I'm going to the signing, and then I'm going to the show the next day. So a uh, personal hero of mine, Mr. Kevin Smith. So I'm excited for that. And the whole yeah. New Jersey thing made me think of it because, you know, he's the best New Jersey person from New Jersey ever. Yeah, Screw that Bruce. is. Screw Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. It's all about <laughs> oh. Kevin Smith is the real. He's all the right. real boss. No, I'm just Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, I guess. All right. Well, let's get into our AEW week in review, uh, starting off with AEW Dynamite emanating from Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, I'll mention this actually right now off the top of the show. Uh, in this first match that we had, which was Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal, uh, I believe it was during this match, in fact, uh, people were not able to pay attention because walking to ringside was... Ooh, and Floyd's not going to be happy about this. I know he probably wasn't happy to see him. Was uh, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ooh, he's trash. Star, star quarterback of the Ravens shows up. And another guy joined him as well. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. Because we're going to save that one other guy for later. Because I'm so excited to talk about that. I'm prediction Lamar Jackson is a Detroit Lion next year. So there you go. Oh, please. I'm, I'm on my hands and knees. Please. For the love of God, like it would put us in cap hell, but I don't fucking care. I don't think he'd ever come here, first of all. But second, please. Right, oh so, my God. So, a few hundred million dollars guaranteed has a way of changing someone's mind about a place. And 
So during my, you know, brief rest of football breakdown, I was basically looking at all the teams. I was looking at New Orleans, looking at this. And I was like, I felt like the Lions feel like the team that is most uh, just a quarterback away. Yeah, I have a strong running game. Yeah. Yeah, I have a strong, yeah, have a strong running game. Yeah, y'all draft the Dolphins line and taking care of them. You got the one wide receiver that's hurt right now that'll be back before next year. I just feel like y'all have a really good, talented team to put around. You know. We have a really talented offense, I feel like, and when it wants to work on all cylinders. Our defense, I still think, goes ways away. It's And, you know, add the uh, – uh, you know, the uh, most athletic, probably bad, uh, probably football player in the NFL to that team. I mean, and the the NFC North in general is just down. It is, so except it, for the Vikings. <clears throat> except for the Vikings, who even they look weak. So yeah, it's so it's like kind of there for a take. But again, that's me getting back into football. You see what kind of state of mind I am. Absolutely, let's talk. That's about what happens. Wrestling. But yes, no. Lamar Jackson was in the crowd for AEW, and he he was mentioned also later in the show. We'll talk about that too. Uh, but we opened with Darby Allen and Jay Lethal facing off against each other. And this was a good match to start things off, I will say. But there was a thing that, honestly, the thing that happened after the match was the biggest, uh, like, throw-like thing. Because, I mean, the match was good. I think that's fair enough to say. But we have to talk about what happened afterwards. So, after Darby Allen was able to get the, uh, uh, diving into the, uh, into, uh, uh, into uh, what's his name? Uh, Jay Lethal at one point. He tries to dive Tope Suicida at Satnam Singh and he bounces off of him. One of the coolest things I've ever seen, but Darby, you're a fucking psychopath. Like that spot was outstanding. So, in that response, though, uh, Darby is trying to set up for the coffin drop. A guy wearing Sting's outfit comes out, distracts him, lethal injection after getting a uh, bat and hitting Darby with it. Jay Lethal pins Darby Allen, and the guy who is dressed up as Imposter Sting is Cole Carter from the factory. And everyone is just like, what the fuck? Like, really? That's that's who was dressed up as Sting? We thought this was going to be way bigger. But then Sting's music hits, and um, he's about to... Uh, people are looking for Sting, but then all of a sudden, somebody else jumps into the ring, and it's fucking Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett gets in the ring, nails Darby with a guitar, busts him open like in the back of his head to the point where blood is coming out of his head as he's on the canvas. And then Jeff Jarrett starts cutting a pro- promo, calling out Darby Allen and saying, whatever you worship becomes your weakness, and Sting has become your biggest weakness. And then he starts going after the AEW fan base, and he's sending a message being about how his family got into the business in 1946, over 75 years, three generations. Jarrett's made an impact, and my fingerprints have been all over AEW as well as my father's and my grandmother's. And once I'm done with this place, there's going to be full body bags. You can choke on that, slap nuts. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, first of all, cool that Jeff Jarrett has been in pretty much every single company in, in the entire wrestling industry. And like when he says his, his and, and like this year, yeah, like, this year as well, like he's been jumping all over the place this year. So wild and crazy. I just don't know why. I mean, first of all, we know that a big reason is that he's been signed to do, he was signed for a big like backstage coaching role and stuff like that, which I think is great. And I think is a really cool thing. That being said, 
him getting a mic and cutting a promo after taking out Darby Allen and talking about the things he's going to be doing uh, to AEW. It's just, it's, I just don't know why. It just seems like very random. I'm more than interested to see whatever Jeff Jarrett is in AEW to see what that even can say, consists of. But it just threw me off so hard. Combined with the why, with Cole Carter being dressed up as Sting, and that was the reveal, and it was garbage. And then Jeff Jarrett showing up out of fucking thin air. It was a very weird start to Dynamite, I gotta say. Dude. I, it, I, didn't, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, this is weird. Yes, as uh, someone that would call himself a TNA original back in the 999 days, just dishing it out every week, uh, especially when I was broke. No, but um, yeah, this was amazing. This was amazing. Listen up, slap nuts. He got the stroke. He hits it with the guitar. I love it. It adds something to Jay Lethal that I felt like his character was kind of getting stale. So it adds something to the, this uh, act. Cole Carter apparently was on hire from uh, from uh, the factory as he is not actually in this Jeff Jarrett group. He was just there for a distraction as the Sting character. So, yeah, excited about that. But, yes, Jeff Jarrett, uh, he gets a new role in AEW. Jeff Jarrett, stay winning. I have always been a guy that was much higher on Jeff Jarrett than everyone else. I've always liked him. I've always just thought he was just, he understood his role in wrestling. You know what I mean? In Impact in the early days where there weren't, like, any contracts. Like, you know, people had, like, everybody was on a pay-per-week contract. He, he was the champion. And why was he the champion? He had to make sure the person, he had to make sure the champion was going to show up every week. You know what I mean? But as soon as he got the chance, he tried to put other people over. I am, like I said, just a big Jeff Jarrett guy. Excited that he's in it. Apparently, he's going to be expanding the live touring options of AEW, which, you know, generally when you do that, that's either going to be two things. Every Rampage is going to be live, or they're going to start doing house shows. Either one, I'm all for, and, you know, they might even add more pay-per-views, but I am excited Jeff Jarrett was doing the live TV for a while, for not, not a long while, but for a while for WWE. Uh, you know, they know how to get people to show up to shows, so I'm looking forward to this going forward. Yeah, we'll see how all that goes. We then had an AEW World Championship Eliminator match between John Moxley and Lee Moriarty from The Firm, who was showcasing a lot of stuff on this week in IAW. Uh, and this was based off of what happened last week on Rampage. Um, and this was solid enough, I felt like, a decent enough match. It was nice to see Moxley working with a guy like Lee, like a younger guy like that. Um, regardless of the fact, uh, Lee was able... He got pretty close at one point when he uh, proceeded to uh, try to get his uh, Border City stretch. It didn't work out. Um, Moxley then proceeded to make him tap out in an, with an arm bar and then Ethan Page came down and knocked out uh, John Moxley blindsided him and again I think this puts up Ethan Page with a chance to try to get involved with John Moxley and I think if there was any guy to be like the kind of main person to get something out of the firm it would be Ethan Page because that dude is really freaking good um, even though apparently he likes Morbius shame him shame him forever Shame him. 
Uh, <laughs> it's Morbin time, baby. <laughs> but regardless, though, I thought this match was fine enough. Um, I didn't think that it was a bad match. You know, it's just kind of like another one of those matches that you get sometimes where it's like, well, the outcome was, was never in doubt. But, you know, I, I am interested to see Ethan Page's involvement and how much he gets out of the firm. Yeah, I'm not hating on Lee Moriarty. I hope him all the success in the world, but he does nothing for me. Just like when he's on my screen, I'm just like, cool. Like, I feel nothing. Tiger style. I don't hate him. I don't, you know, I don't love him. I just feel nothing towards him. It's not even go away heat because I don't care enough for him to go away. It's just like, okay, he's here. And it was like with the Moxley match, I was like, I would love to be more excited about a Moxley match because, you know, it's Moxley. But, yeah, it was just like, he's going to crush this dude. And like I said, I've watched him wrestle, and it's just, you know, I've kind of I thought, kind of thought I saw something at the beginning, but I don't see anything. Maybe we'll see more. You know, I always leave myself open. I always state the Darby Allen uh, of it all, like how much I didn't like him at first. So I always say people have time to grow. But right now, it's like Lee Moriarty is uh, a yawn. A yawn when he comes on. So this match is cool. It, uh, further the story, uh, Ethan Page, I'm looking like push this man to the moon. All right. Well, we then had a sit-down interview that was supposed to be with Renee Paquette interviewing Dr. Britt Baker and Soraya, except uh, Britt Baker did not show up, and Soraya's response was like, well, she doesn't care. She'd be lucky even if just to have this interview. But And uh, they then started talking more about Soraya and just how AW, there was something special about it. She wanted to be a part of it. And once timing things worked out with her injury and everything like that, she felt like she could get more and like get more out of her wrestling career. And then when asked about her uh, her health, uh, she said she's going to save the information for next week because she said she's consulted a lot of doctors uh, about this return. But there's one more doctor she's going to consult on this, uh, which is a nice little tease. Uh, this segment I thought was cool. Sit down interviews with Renee I think are really cool, and they felt very general. Ge- I mean, genuine and like kind of almost natural a little bit with these two. Um, and yeah, I thought it was cool that we kind of like spent a little bit more time to like wait for Britt Baker to speak on everything, uh, uh, and get these two with a mic in each other's hands and just have them go at it for, we, this will be, this will be the build to this match at a uh, full gear, which I'm very excited about for, uh, Soraya's first f- official singles match in AEW and, and years as well. Yeah, and, you know, when it comes to it, I thought this was pretty creatively done. I don't know if this was the plan or if there was something in the background, but uh, Britt not showing up is perfect. Britt, big time to say, you know what? I don't have to show up on your time. And she addresses it later on the show. But, yeah, I thought Paige did what she could. Uh, definitely did what she could with the segment. She's always been somewhat of a strong talker. You know, she can talk some good shit. So I'm looking forward to where this is going. You know, uh, I can tell, you know, I think they were waiting closer to the show to really get in the build. And that's what we're going to somewhat get this week. So I'm looking forward to how they play this out to this big ass singles match. For sure. We then had a, a quick little thing with William Regal basically talking about how you have all the potential in the world, but it won't help you become the AW world champion to face a real demon in John Moxley. We'll move over, though, quickly to Daddy Ass's birthday bash with 
uh, the acclaim coming out and uh, Billy Gunn coming out with his hands all taped up because he was attacked by Swerve on Rampage and completely had his fingers cho- uh, like chopped at by Swerve Strickland. And again, another wonderful segment from uh, the acclaimed continuing to uh, showcase how good they are. Uh, they showcased the because uh, they were like, OK, he can't uh, scissor, unfortunately, because of his fingers. But now he has acclaimed foam fingers with that are scissor fingers. And I was just like, you just made a million dollars right there, right there. Like the amount of things, foam fingers that they're going to sell is going to be ridiculous. Like you like I hats off to you. Like you just fucking you perfected marketing right there with that decision to make those. Um, they also proceeded to give a trophy to Daddy S. That's a uh, world's best daddy. Uh, and then they actually had a, a ton of paperwork signed, and they had a full certificate of adoption that they just needed a signature from Billy Gunn. And there he's like, I get to be your daddy? And I'm just like, literally, as I'm saying this, I'm just like, Billy, you have kids. And then Austin and Colton Gunn show up. They're like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't, re- like, I was literally like, can you not see that Billy Gunn is trying to recreate the family guy, my black son, but my black sons? It's, it was just so ridiculous. But they were so upset how they weren't invited. But they were like, it's okay, we got you a gift. And it was W. Morrissey who proceeded to knock the shit out of Billy Gunn. And uh, then the guns came in to beat up on the acclaimed. And they were saved by FTR. Dax and Cash come out and they even up the odds. And then they proceed to, after they chase off the firm, uh, they pick up the AEW World Tag Team titles, hold on to them for a little bit before begrudgedly handing them back to the acclaimed. But it was very much said. We're getting those back, and uh, we'll see how many more months it takes until we get that match, <laughs> because it seems to be taking longer and longer by the second with FTR. But at least I know, Floyd, I know we're getting confirmation at least that they will be defending the IWG belts at uh, in the Tokyo Dome, it looks like, from reports. So I am, uh, so as far as the segment, really happy with it. I mean... Honestly, this is the most WWE at times the AEW feels, but it works. It you works know, again. It works like I said, it's claim. like there's a reason. There's a reason why the 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 skits with the uh, in the segments with uh, the bloodline with all the ridiculousness that Sami Zayn brings works. There's a reason why this works. Entertainment is still a very big part of wrestling, and there's a reason why it's still very much a part of it in every form. Yeah. So, and when done well, it's really fucking good. Yeah, and that's, I, I was going to say, you were making my points. <laughs> so, no. Um, so, I was really excited about that segment. But when FTR came out, I was actually shocked and kind of yelled a little bit because they had a match in Japan on Friday. I didn't think they were going to be on the show this week. That shows you, again, they are the hardest working tag team in wrestling. They were at Dynamite, did their thing, and then they uh, flew to Japan to do their thing there. Um, yeah, you know what? I was making this point today. You know, I love FTR, and I've and I I've been one of their biggest proponents from them getting their title shot. But if you look at what AEW's done over the last year by keeping them out of the real title picture, they have built two new tag teams. Facts. Like so, they have pushed the claim to the moon 
which if FTR is the champion, I don't know how much that happens. They've pushed Swerve to Swerve in our glory uh, to the moon. And again, FTR being champions, I don't know how much that happens. And while they've also kept FTR strong because they don't lose very much and they have three belts. And now they have a chance to elevate the ass boys in their little feud. So I don't know. I saw it. I, you know, I started looking at it big picture with what they've done in the tag team division. And I'm like, huh, they've done a really good job. And, you know, and they haven't, you know, I don't want FTR's title next title run. The big thing with me is I don't want it to be short. So that being said, Hey, if you want to wait till the right time and give them the year, year and a half run, go for it. But yeah, if you give me a month run, uh, yeah, I'll be ready to punch someone in the throat. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is really good, and it set up a match for this week that I'm excited to see. And you know, the claims are so over; they are just so. They over. are. I'm like seeing. I'm like literally seeing scissoring everywhere, like on Facebook and all that stuff. I know some people doing the scissor thing that don't even know why they're doing it they just like they thought it's a new hello or whatever so i'm looking forward to the scissoring i'm looking forward to i'm gonna scissor dave so hard when next week <laughs> yeah. all right well we then had a little uh, backstage thing where dr Britt baker dmd was like look i'm with tony Schiavone. it's my interview on my time and they're just like you know what we're tired of all this talking we just want to wrestle find us a tag team to wrestle on friday for rampage so there was that but then we had the open challenge uh, for Chris Jericho, the Ocho, for his Ring of Honor World Championship, where he was facing a former champion of Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, during this, called out how he would even beat up Lamar Jackson. Yes. Someone, you know, from last week, I know it was choppy. I did my best on the editing. But some, do you remember someone you know? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Saying who the mystery guy's going to be? Yes, I do remember exactly that, and we're going to say that right now. So once after Lamar Jackson was called out by uh, by Chris Jericho, which also, if you haven't seen his uh, his his interview he did for the Ravens, where he talked about like how he's just like, I didn't think he was going to do that. I just like I just like, oh, he's talking to me, and then started laughing. Uh, seek that out. Um, the open challenge was revealed to be accepted by Boom Boom Colcabana, and yes. This man right here called it. I, I, you know, my friend told me he doesn't listen to the show sometimes because he says I'm a spoiler alert. I, <laughs> I, I, like the boom boom, the boom boom. I, it felt like so. At the beginning, he said he was going to take out all ROH World Champions, right? Then the stipulation changed to anybody that's been a champion in ROH, and it just felt like that stipulation was changed for someone in particular. Like they had someone in mind when they decided to make that change. And so it just made sense to me. It made sense to me. It also seemed like that they made that change too in order to spite another man. Oh, you know, you know, I wasn't going to bring that up. I know that's your boy. That's your family. No, it's fine. Look, dude, I mean, like, listen, if people don't see this happening and the overwhelming love that, cult god on twitter from most of the aw locker room and people in wrestling in general which again amazing it was great seeing cult genuinely really wonderful moment um but if y'all don't see this as the end of cm punk and aew i don't know what to tell you like it's over like it was a wonderful run i will continue to talk about how much i love the year 
that I had with CM Punk being back in wrestling and being in AEW. It's truly the best year of my life when it comes to being a wrestling fan. But it's over. Like, buy your physical copies of uh, Fight Forever when they come out. So you have, like, one more thing that has him on the face of it. Because you won't be seeing it anymore. Go to CTUE2. Maybe get it signed. You know what I mean? There you go. You know? And then he'll probably be, like, crossing out the faces of Kenny Omega and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'm all about him just doing something. I, I like really petty, you know, but you know, oh, he would. There's, he would this, absolutely there's this big something. thing called a no compete clause, and you know, uh, you know, they have all these clauses for uh, things you can say, a non dis, yeah, no, a non disparagement clause where yeah. they don't speak badly about the others. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, it's very possible that could be the case. Yeah, yeah, so and, it's just like, when plus, you, I feel like again, he's he's done, he doesn't want to talk about it, he doesn't want to do it anymore. That's the way I see it because it just it just seems that way again. That's because. You ain't going back to WWE, brother man. I know it ain't gonna happen. Will you talk to Hunter? Sure. Will you go back? No. I mean, you know what? I always say this. There's always a number. Do Hunter? Does Hunter think he's worth the number? I don't know. There's a number. I don't think the number is worth the uproar that that locker room would have if he showed up. Yes. I will say right now. I will say that right now. But regardless, again... My boy is off to the sunset, and the bridge is being burnt. Like, this was a fuck you. This was a fuck you moment, and honestly, well played, because it was a really good and well done fuck you moment. Even though, let's be fair here, Colt did not look good in this match. He, he, I think he might have been dealing with some uh, injuries already, and like kind of dealing with the fact that, I mean, this dude's been wrestling for a very long time. You know, Uh, you know, it's impossible for him to be good at at wrestling, right? That's not true. Because he shares a bank account with his mom, sir. Okay, can we quit it now, please? <laughs> can we quit it now. He that piece of crap that shares a bank account with his mom. Oh my god, he's not good. At I don't know why that's the one. That's the thing that people are focusing on. It's like because the whole the, the whole lawsuit was based on the fact that like he the legal fees and you know they dude, he wasn't paying anything. Whatever, dude, fuck it, I don't care. Your, your boy went on like a six minute rant. Of a six to six to ten minute rant talking about how this dude was a piece of shit because he, he mentioned the bank account twice. Yes, but he went on. He's like, I had to sue his mom because he shares. You didn't know. No, come on. Okay, like, look. Okay, I get it. Everyone hates CM Punk. No, I get it. I totally know, get it. You know, I don't hate CM Punk. I know. I'm I just know saying. I don't hate CM Punk, but I'm just saying he made it a thing. Which made you know like all of us like uh, all of all of us uh, people like that actually for some reason or not shared a bank account with our mom like oh am I a piece of shit? Because <laughs> it's like what what's going on here? No, it was just a weird thing to attack about a man. It really was. It was just <laughs> a weird thing to attack about a man. I, I like I give shit even though you know I appreciate CM Punk. Like people have uh, offered me stuff. For my memorabilia, now that he's gone, and I'm like, no, dude, no. I was at literally every one of CM Punk's pay-per-view matches while he was under AEW umbrella. From the the entrance to the end, you know, the year of Punk, You basically, I'm there for all of it. So I'm very excited that he had his year. I am very grateful for his year. But yeah, if he wants to walk out in the sunset, go for it. Which is going to happen, so there yeah. you go. Again, I... I I'd, that's it. And again, 
the match, uh, getting back to Dynamite, the match between Jericho and and, uh, and Cole Cabana, it was okay. Again, Cole was v- struggling at moments in this match, and you could tell. Uh, but regardless, I think it was just a, a, a nice, cool moment. You know, it was like you know, we we now have hopefully a bit of closure until we get the official announcement of the buyout for his contract, which I'm sure we'll get in the coming months. Uh, and then you know, once it all happens and everything's good to go, and he's bought out of his contract, and then like hopefully, you know what, I can just be left alone with the memories that I had and. People will talk shit about him for the rest of time, but and then until eventually, you know, they're like, "Man, his run though was good, except for the fact that he was an asshole." Yeah, and right. then and then we'll come to a nice medium. He's an asshole, but God, he's still good. Oh, and God, that run was amazing. He's not quite Michael Jordan, but who else was like really good but an asshole but not great? I don't know. Bill Lambeer. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, you can find a a nice comp out there, a sports comp out out there. That's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It's the same thing that I say about the Detroit Pistons bad boys. Was Bill Lambeer an asshole? Yes, but he was my asshole. Exactly, and that's how I feel about CM Punk. It's just like, he's my asshole. Everyone knew that it was coming, and it was just like, you know, whatever. I don't know. I I still plan on going to, eventually going to one of the uh, shows he is and taking all my chairs. All of them and getting them signed by CM Punk. And and I'm going to be like, hey, thank you for that year. You did a great job. You know, of course I want it to. Of course I want it two years. Of course I want to see CM Punk versus MJF. There's a lot of things I want in wrestling. And there's a lot of things I want in wrestling that I never get. You know, I want Cody to beat Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania. As close as we get into it, uh, it's not looking like it. That's the likelihood of the situation that's going. So it's just like. It is what it is. It's wrestling. So, I like I wish him the best and AEW's going to move on without him, which is, you know, the thing. He, he's the he's the spoke on the wheel. The wheel's going to keep turning and he understands that. Yes. Shout out if anybody gets that reference. Uh, but regardless, uh Colcabana did not win the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, oh, I am so pushed- I was so shocked. I I, I really thought he was going to pull it out. There you go. And uh, after he tried to hit the Superman pin, Jake Hager saved him. Uh, and then uh, Colt hit a moonsault off onto Jake Hager and Daniel Garcia. The Codebreaker was hit onto uh, Cabana, and that's all it took to pin him. And then uh, Ian Riccoboni was about to get beat up again. Y'all got to leave Ian alone. I swear to fucking God, leave my guy alone. You want to talk about actually one of my guys? Ian is my guy. Like I, That's my dude. Man, uh, it's the problem is his face. I get it. You want an elbow, okay? I get Boom. it. But he's, yeah. but he's, but he's so cool and nice. Yeah, he's he really so is. Cool nice. He really is. Uh, but regardless, Claudio Castagnoli comes out, tackles Chris Jericho, comes to his aid. Brian Danielson also comes out to help. Yuta comes out, and then once again we have Blackpool Combat Club and JAS fighting each other yet again. I'm fine with this feud continuing. I don't give a damn. These guys are amazing. Blood and guts was a ton of fun. And I am all for uh, these two sides to keep going at each other's throats. So, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. I, I actually heard some friends, you know, like, man, this fu- root feud is still going on. And I just like, it's so funny because you do have these people that are like, this feud still going on. And it's actually somewhat of a long feud. It's been going on since April. Uh, but um, then you have people that are like, oh, my God, we need long-term storytelling. And it's just like. 
generally, you know, when you have fight clubs and wars like that, they don't really end. They just kind of go away and then they keep coming back. So I don't know. I like this storyline. I like the Blackpool Combat Club. I kind of like what Chris Jericho said, you know, uh, later on. Hey, I, I don't think y'all actually like each other, which is funny. I, I, I saved this little antidote, right? Do you know the Blackpool Combat Club and how it's constructed as being kind of a wrestling fight team instead of an actual faction? Yes. That was the idea of the Nightmare, fact, uh, Nightmare Family originally from Cody. That and it makes a whole lot of sense that this is the kind of thing that he'd want to yeah, to happen. Like, he's like, yeah, we're not a, we're not a faction. We're more of a fight team. We're like all under this fight team banner, almost like uh, what was the team name uh, with uh, Ego and um, Scorpio Sky? They were part of a fight team, America Top Team. There you go, America's Top Team. So it was kind of like that. So it's kind of funny that it's an old Cody idea actualized and they might not have had anything to do with each other. You know, Brian Danielson's a very intelligent, creative guy. So, I mean, you got Regal, you got Mox, you got Claudio all in that group. So any of them could have came up with what this eventually became on its own. But I just do remember an interview early on is he's like, you know, nightmare, fa nightmare family is more of a fight team than a faction. So, that's exactly what boss uh, of the Blackpool Combat Club is. They're a fight team and they'll fight together when necessary, but they don't really need to fight together. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it. Yeah, so I, I got nothing more to say in regards to that. But we then had the All Atlantic Championship match between the champion Orange Cassidy, one third of the trios champions Ray Fenix, and Luchasaurus in a three way match for this title. Um, and yeah, I thought this was my, probably my favorite match in this, uh, show. I gotta say these guys did a ton of really fucking cool stuff. Um, Luchasaurus was the big man that everyone had to try to get through in order to be able to win the match to begin with. Eventually though, at one point, Luchasaurus takes Ray Phoenix, slams him through a time through the table uh, by the, by the, uh, ringside area. He then proceeds to knock uh, uh, Orange Cassidy all the way up and towards the ramp and uh, he's gonna about to beat the shit out of him uh, until Jungle Boy comes out hits him with a steel chair and then proceeds to throw his entire body at Luchasaurus off of the stage and through multiple tables which was a huge fucking moment uh, and was so cool to see eventually uh, Pac ran down to the ring and gave that ring bell hammer that he told Ray Phoenix if you wanna win use this this is going to help you get that title and be as good as you can be. Ray refuses of it, and he gives it back to Pac. Orange Cassidy, though, hits him with the orange punch, and Ray Fenix loses, and Orange Cassidy retains the All-Atlantic Championship. Afterwards, Pac jumps in starts beating the shit out of Orange Cassidy. But then... But fucking then... Katsuyori Shibata, out of fucking nowhere... Shibata comes back to AEW, his first appearance since fucking Forbidden Door, and he comes out, chases off Pac. Alongside, he had Rocky Romero and the best friends as well. So, Rapungi Vice, shout out. And, uh, yeah, the crowd couldn't believe it. Shibata was there, and Orange Cassidy also. 
had a contract at one point that he could have anybody sign uh, to have his dream match uh, for the uh, All Atlantic Championship. So he was gonna, he had a dream match that he could basically get signed for Rampage against whoever he wanted, and he picked Shibata because, as we all remember from Forbidden Door, that amazing scene of Orange Cassidy giving Shibata his aviator sunglasses and Shibata looking dope as fuck with those sunglasses on. So we got fucking Shibata versus OC for the All-Atlantic Championship on Rampage last week. Talk about a fucking way to immediately get people to care about Rampage. Like, holy shit. That was a huge moment. I I was stunned that Shibata was back and that we were going to get him wrestling in AEW. Because we didn't get him wrestling at Forbidden Door. He just showed up. He just showed up at the end of the Will Ospreay OC match. But... Man, this was a huge moment. This probably for me was my favorite part of the show. Oh God, this is absolutely my favorite part of the show. I'm like, oh my God. And I was trying because me and JR watched the show on the phone together. I know that's weird old people shit, but we watched the phone show on the phone together. So I'm I am about 30 seconds ahead of him. So I start yelling, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because I didn't want to spoil it. So I wouldn't say exactly what was happening. He's like, what happened? What happened? And then all of a sudden, he's getting, oh, I got Shibata. So we both were able to freak out. Uh, dude, such a cool moment. And even how he did it, he just kind of hands him the contract. Uh, God, I, I'm an Orange Cassidy guy. I mean, I'm not going to say he's ever going to be my favorite wrestler. But, dude, I just I want him on my screen all the time. And then you had Cassie or Shibata. Uh, you know, it's like. Dude just looks like he can fight. Like from the moment he walks out, he looks like he's gonna bust you up. So that's pretty cool. I I was just really excited. Just got my energy going. I mean, the match was great. Don't get me wrong, the match was great. But the moment with Shibata, I know, I know casuals won't know who he is, but that's what you have Excalibur for. And Excalibur is great at giving the history of wrestling very very quickly. He lets you know who the man is, why it's important. But, you know, the people in the building that, you know, keep up know exactly why it's important. So shout out to him, the wrestler. My favorite thing that I've seen is for the people that, uh, like, just always go the who uh, response for any Japanese wrestler that shows up on AEW. They're like, here's a QR code. Scan this and you'll find out. That was like, I love that joke. And I was just like, that's funny. Because, you know, what's hilarious to me is that. So you're watching football, right? And your starting DB gets hurt. And they bring golf like the 52nd man on the roster to play DB, right? People don't be like, oh, my God. How are we going to follow the game? Because I don't know who this guy is. And I don't know his backstory. And I don't know where he's from. And I'm just like. Dude, that, that's what the announcer and play-by-play, that's what Austin's there for, you know, yes. to, to tell you. And if they're doing their job, you're going to know everything you need to know about him to keep watching it. So, yes, Excalibur's, Excalibur or Tony Schiavone is going to tell you who the Japanese man, scary Japanese man is. Don't worry. Just wait a few seconds. And it's, yes. like, and it's so funny because I truly think the craziest thing is the people, the biggest people that bitch about it, are the people that know who he is. Exactly. It, it, they just don't like him. Yeah. It's like, you know who the man is, so whatever. I don't know. 
wrestling dynamite was good it was a good episode i'm not gonna call well, it we great. didn't finish yet though yeah we did not finish yet though so you know, you know we got more and we still great. got one more thing we got to get to wait well, a couple things actually there's get more to. there's still more here yeah. so first off we had uh after this we had uh the tbs championship being defended jade cargill defending it against the against marina shafir and this match uh let's be fair to protect marina shafir uh, had Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero come out with microphones doing live commentary and, J- and Nyla Rose continuing to be the best version of herself, just being the biggest troll and not shutting up while Vicky Guerrero laughs hysterically and is screaming. Uh, you're focused on that, that you pretty much barely care about the match itself. And then Jade Cargo beats Marina Shafir and retains the title. Um, and this was just simply to have the break before uh, the main event. I get it. But it was also to protect Marina Shafir because she's still not ready. Like it's it's pretty clear, and even AEW knows that she's not ready because if they wanted you to focus on the match, Nyla and Vicky wouldn't come out to talk shit. So, yeah, I got nothing much more to say about that. I was gonna say, man, I could go into this a lot. I, I mean, I honestly, you know, I had seen potential in Marina Shafir. I don't think she's bad. I just don't think she's good. And Jade is great. Great is great. Really love Jade. But is she carry a, carry a match great yet? And I don't think she's that yet. You know? And I think that's what it would have required for this match. So the match was what it was. Nyla was a great distraction. She's very entertaining as usual. I love that they're allowing Nyla to be Nyla. Same. Oh, please let Nyla be Nyla for the rest of time. Yeah. Main event time, though. We have the Ring of Honor World Television Championship being defended by Samoa Joe against the Machines' Brian Cage from the Embassy. Um, Big, meaty men slapping meat. And then you got two big men who shouldn't be able to do the things that they do. You got fucking all the different types of things that these guys can do that are fucking insane. Uh, It's just a bunch of heavy-hitting shit. And again, this... This probably would be match of the night if we didn't just come off of the uh, amazingness that was the segment prior uh, with the uh, All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, but the match continues to come down, and Brian Cage is uh, proceeding to put the pressure on until he gets put into a sleeper hold and is forced to tap out But to Samoa Joe, who retains the title. Afterwards, however, we had the Gates of Agony and the other members of the embassy show up to beat up Samoa Joe. The TNT champion Wardlow comes down and chases off the embassy. Uh, and then uh, after that happens, though, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs comes down, plants him with a spine buster, holds up the TNT championship as, of course, he attacked uh, Wardlow the previous uh, week on Rampage. So that was the closing moment of Dynamite. Not the best closing moment, I would say, just to... But at least, you know what, we're kind of getting an idea about the T- TNT Championship, which has been dead in the water because we just we just can't showcase this title in a way that makes any sense, I swear. It's, it's, it's frustrating to me because I was like, I love Wardlow as TNT Champion. They're not doing anything with him, though, and it's frustrating. But here, at least, we have a feud that I can be interested in because big meaty men slapping me. But then also, too, because Hobbs is a good heel. I like Hobbs. And I think Wardlow's great, and I think this has a chance to be a feud that has some meat to it, but I need like them to give it heat. It needs to be able to have true heat in the coming weeks towards full gear. So I hope we get to see some genuine cool stuff building towards this match so that way people can care. 
A- absolutely. Um, this is this is the one I've been calling for. I've been actually calling for this particular feud for months. Will Hobbs is big. Will Hobbs has, you know, uh, been with the company years. He's been pushed. He doesn't lose a lot. You know what I mean? It's just like, I believe at full gear or whenever. Did they announce it for full gear? I don't know. But no, uh, no if I believe when this has to happen, I'm going to believe the whole time that the match is going on that uh, that Will Hobbs can actually win. That Will Hobbs can match Power Warlow. Like if Warlow wins, great. Uh, that's great. But I, I I feel like this is an actual threat. This is an actual build. This is what you need in this division. Uh, TNT belt truly feels like a stepping stone for Warlow. So if you want to show that this belt actually means something to him, a nice, good feud with Will Hobbs. I don't want this to be one match. I want it to be a feud and, you know, show that Wardlow, you know, wants to be the TNT title champion. Yeah, no, absolutely. However, there is one last thing that we have to talk about that happened on Dynamite that was actually not in the, uh, I don't know why they didn't mention it on the uh, results page on the website, but, uh, Another hip-hop guest that we got for AEW, he was sitting next to Lamar Jackson during that uh, opening match. Big homie, Rick Ross, Maybach music. Rick Um, Ross, they're backstage interviewing with uh, Tony Schiavone, and he was with uh, Swerve Strickland, and oh my god. Allegations. Accusations. False accusations. Accusations. And I love I, I love how Keith Lee kept his cool, stayed in character. It was like and answered, you know, like he commented based on what Rick Ross said. He didn't just like talk over him or ignore him. He he went with it. And I thought this was such a cool moment. Now Rick Ross, I can honestly say, he is the most relevant person that they brought out. I'm not saying none of them in hip hop, yes, I will say right now, because if you go through the hip-hop people that they have had in AEW. There's been a good amount of people that they have pulled in. They were names. Uh, they are yeah, definitely Yeah, they names. were definitely names that they pulled in, for sure. I mean, like, uh, all the different people that they've had so far. I mean, you've got fucking, uh, who was the guy that uh, showed out and punched uh, uh, Drew Gulak? It was, uh, oh, oh, Kevin Gates. Kevin, Kevin Gates. Gates, yeah. Kevin Gates was one. Um, though it was like he had one big hit a, a few years ago and we didn't freaking uh, see him nearly at all. Because he has But regardless, problems. yeah, exactly. But regardless, uh, now like Rick Ross is multi platinum, still yeah. relatively famous, you know, is all over a bunch of so- a bunch of popular hip hop songs and all that kind yeah, of stuff. So yeah. every day I'm hustling. Yeah, yeah and then man. you still got you still got Action Bronson who did the great stuff with Hook. Like, again, I will say this firmly in my heart of hearts. One of the best things that AEW has done is lean on Swerve Strickland and really integrate themselves with hip-hop culture because it is fucking sick. Like, as somebody who loves both hip-hop music and wrestling, it's so cool. I mean, like, these people, like, first of all, Rick Ross is absolutely a character. But also I would say, too, uh, the person that is absolutely in hip-hop culture that they have had that is the biggest of the biggest Snoop Dogg. 
Absolutely, Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, he did actual wrestling move. He did actual wrestling shit. That was y'all. Don't don't forget forget about. Don't forget about Snoop Dogg. Hey, don't you forget about multi-time recording artist Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was a rapper too. So no, I'm just uh, no. It's all like, like I enjoy it. I like what they're doing. It it feels kind of grassroots. It's like we're getting who we can get, and we're bringing out a lot of people. And, you know, I I think it's a good job. I mean, when Cody was around, I can honestly say, because of him doing the Go Big Show, and then, of course, Stephen Amell and him are too tight, you know, you had some more random people just uh, in the crowd. Because, you know, when we were there last year on December 1st, uh, for the uh, uh, for the uh, flaming table spot, uh, you know we had T Pain in front of us. So it, it, you know, you're trying to keep that consistency. Swerve is, you know, bringing in all this talent. Uh, hey, oh, I did forget one shout out. Oh my God, I'm so depressed because I forgot this and I meant to mention this. I actually made a note in my notes that during the Jay Cargill and Marina, uh, Marina Shafir match, right? Right. Uh, Marina Shafir debuted new music. That's right. It was called One Problem. And the rapper on that is friend of the show, the Social Suplexes, One Nation Radio's own Mr. Rich Lotta was rapping on that song. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine that. I mean... Rich, immensely talented, but like, hey, I'm watching TV and I get to hear myself rap. And the, basically the way he breaks it down, and you can listen to One Nation Radio this week for more, the way he breaks it down is like Ruckus sent, hit him up and he had the track laid down and sent back to Ruckus within like two hours. I was like, I, I told him when he told me, I was like, I would love to say I'm surprised. But I have such faith in your God-given ability to do what you do that it truly didn't shock me that you got it done that quickly because, I mean, like I always say, Rich Rich is like my second favorite rapper. Like any music that he does on YouTube, anytime he appears on a track, I go listen to it because I've always liked how Rich raps. So I I, I just wanted to throw that out there. I meant to bring it out during the Machine and the Shavir match because I told him he pulled off a miracle because... He rapped so hard, I actually thought Marina Shafir could win for a second. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our boy, Rich Lada. Shout out. Are, are we getting past your bedtime? I know you're on East Coast time, sir. Sh- no, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all good. I'm holding in there. But yeah, that was all for AEW Dynamite. So we'll move over real quick to AEW Rampage. And they decided to start off Rampage with freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus... Katsuyori Shibata for the All-Atlantic Championship. And yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. of a Like, hell of a match. Um, there was part of me going into this that I thought shenanigans would take place where we wouldn't get a clean finish because I was like, are they going to have Shibata get pinned in his first match in AEW? I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know what they were going to do, honestly. Uh, Shibata kicked the shit out of Orange Cassidy uh, early in the early goings of this match. Uh, be- best friends and Danhausen were kind of watching like, what has this man getting gotten himself into? Uh, regardless, though, Shibata uh, 
keeps trying, and uh, he didn't go down after one orange punch, but he did go down after a second one. And after that second orange punch, uh, OC pins Shibata to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. I knew Shibata wouldn't win it, but I didn't think he'd get pinned his I, first. I, like, I really, tr- really, really wanted Shibata to win. I mean, like, here's the thing. It would have been fucking crazy. Yeah, talking about the legacy of the All-Atlantic title. Oh, who's the third champion, Shibata? I thought that would have been cool. It wasn't in the works. I really did enjoy the match. I've always enjoyed Shibata wrestling, and I just thought this match, they worked really well together. Uh, You know, a couple of the DDTs, I was like, oh, because, you know, the problem with his head. And it was just like I had the hesitation moments and... No, it was it was a really cool, really worked match, a well worked match. Orange Cassidy won, but yeah, I'm like I was on the edge of my seat, really hoping Shibata won. No kidding, man. I no kidding, but it was a hell of a way to open Rampage. We then had Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hader teaming up to face Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Um, always like it when we get to see Sky Blue involved because I do think she's one of those young talents that could probably. Uh, rising up in AEW's women's division as time goes on. Always good to see Madison Rain, of course. Uh, and yeah, this match was solid enough. Uh, Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker were working solidly against each other uh, as tag teams and stuff like that. Uh, and Jamie Hayter would be the one to get the pinfall victory as she pinned Madison Rain and won the match for Britt Baker and herself, uh, continuing to showcase how how she's been performing over time. They kept beating up on Madison Sky until Tony Storm comes out and clears out. And then uh, they keep fighting her and Jamie Hayter until eventually Jamie Hayter put, is put into a clove, Texas Cloverleaf until Britt Baker comes in and uh, has the women's championship and nails Tony in the head with it to save Jamie Hayter. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was good enough. It, I thought this was good work uh, from these girls. Uh, I thought there wasn't anything too outstanding from it, but I thought it was good, and I thought it was good to get a little bit more uh, heat with uh, Tony Storm with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Yeah, I'm all about me some uh, Jamie Hayter, and I was about the Tony Storm. Uh, uh, this whole rivalry is great. The tag match. I think Sky Blue is a perfectly acceptable professional wrestler, and I think she's growing. and And I love how they're doing it because it's slow. You're seeing a new move, a new move every now and then. She gets a little better, and it's just like when you're really like when in a year, maybe two, when they really try to put something behind her, she is going to be ready because she's getting the reps. She's you know. Like Sky Blue is probably the one of the more consistently booked young people in AEW as far as if you watch Dark and Dark Elevation. She's always on there. She's always working. So, it, you know, it does seem like they believe in her being the future. I thought this match was good. And, you know, it was all about what happened after the match. Setting up Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. It's going to be fun. And it's just like the best thing about it, you know, they're doing the former friends thing, but... Honestly, it feels the most like in women's wrestling, just two good women's wrestling thinking they're better than each women's wrestlers thinking they're better than each other. And I love a good match where it's just like I just think I'm better than you. Yeah, no, no kidding about it. That it's just and Britt Baker is one of those wrestlers who does that so well. I feel like yeah, um, that I think it just could be like this feud is work look like it has the chance to do some really great stuff. So I'm excited to see what happens. 
we then had a promo from Absolute Ricky Starks, and I am all here for Ricky Starks cutting promos because this dude kills it on the mic. Um, he talks about uh, how y'all want to see me on TV. Um, um, and I never had to beg because, well, you know that I'm good. Uh, I don't have to tell you that, though. You like me because I do the pose and everything. And he's like, yeah, I like you guys, too. Uh, and uh, he's put in the work and people have questions about him. But he has the answer because there's this new uh eliminated tournament to face John Moxley for the AEW World Championship, and he says he's entering himself into that eliminated tournament, and he said, look, there are people who are proud to be part of these pillars for AEW, but how can they be proud when the place is crum- when the place is crumbling? So he says, I'm walking in full gear as Ricky Starks, and I'm walking out as the new number one contender for the AEW World Championship, and whether it's John Moxley or MJF, I deal in def- defiance because I am absolute Ricky Starks, and I'm like, Cool. Great work. Um, I'm glad that Ricky is trying to get himself involved in all this because I think in terms of a guy who could be a hell of a feud or be a hell of a person to go up against, uh, Ricky has done a lot of great stuff. Um, and I'm I'm for it, dude. I think it's uh, uh, great hearing him cut promos like he does. Um, though I would be saying like him and MJF is the more interesting thing to me, I think. Him and Moxley would be interesting, but... I want to see Ricky and MJF bounce off of each other. Yeah, because Ricky is really good on the mic, and he's really good with the snappy comeback. So I think he'd have some stuff for uh, MJF. And if at that time, if MJF is happens to be the champion, uh, you know, you're looking at his first major, or well, first feud being with a very face Ricky Starks, and I think that's a great, great first challenge for him. Yeah, absolutely. Main event time, we have War Joe with Samoa Joe, Ring of Honor TV champion, and TNT champion Wardlow facing the gates of Anarchy uh, uh, with uh, Khan and Toa Leona. And I can firmly say I don't care. There's the thing. I I have to say, the gates of Anarchy, like, that is, it's, it's, we, we're pretty, like, we know that this is a Ring of Honor group, uh, and it's, all that kind of stuff. And there was actually one sign I saw, I will mention, because uh, I wanted to bring this up to Floyd. There was one sign I saw on Dynamite last week, which I saw um, less ROH, more AEW, uh, with the people that are kind of a little bit upset about some of the stuff that's been happening since the Ring of Honor acquisition by Tony Khan, about how he's trying to get Ring of Honor involved with AEW, and seemingly some fans don't want Ring of Honor ring- involved. They want AEW and Ring of Honor to be two separate things which I think is where they're going with it to begin with. Uh, but you got to get TV eventually. Uh, that's just it's what has to happen eventually. Um, and that's when you can have them separate um, for the most part. But the Gates of Anarchy, I don't care. The Gates of Anarchy are just like the most, I don't care. Like this match was fine. It was a nice win for War Joe who keeps doing great stuff together. Um, I just, I don't care. Like, it was like, I saw this and I was just like, you know, I know what it is. This was ramp- a Rampage match for sure. You saw it. And like, hell, this could have been a dark match, if we're being honest, like a dark elevation match. But uh, yeah, it's just like that, this, that group specifically, um, I just don't see the purpose of it. I think the Gates of Anarchy 
have nothing going for them. They have no heat. They have no, like, like just they got nothing going for them. And I feel like there's got to be, like, there's got to be at least a little bit of star power in that group for you to be able to fully be like, okay, let's let's go. And, like, listen, like, Brian Cage is not enough. I will tell you right now, Brian Cage is not enough. So, up to two people. Uh, Samoan... Uh, forgot what they're called, werewolf or lion or whatever animal he is. Yeah, uh, both of them are really short. Like, like I look at the one with the braids and the rip. I forget his name. I I, I literally don't care most of the time. I was say I I couldn't tell you. Con Con, if he was five inches taller, dude, I'd be pushing him to the moon. But he's just like they're supposed to be like this. You know, like uh, Arthur's a pain type, like physical group, but they're both so short, and it's right. just like I can't buy it. I'd rather you literally go get the Arthur's a pain and have them in this faction. No, yeah. dis- no disrespect to either. Well, it's gonna come off disrespectful no matter what because they do nothing for me. They like literally do nothing for me. They make me not care about a FTR match. I don't know how that's even possible. Didn't care at all. They're not very good. They're just not. They're not very good at wrestling. Like, when I watch them, I just, I'm ready for it to be over. I wouldn't even call it go away heat. I'm just ready for it to be over. Like I said, I just, I, they do nothing for me. Brian Cage is clearly the star of that group because the other two people aren't stars, so that makes sense. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think they, you know, it's so crazy. They've hardly done anything, and I think they've already reached their ceiling. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I think they're as good as they're gonna be. So I don't know. So yeah, rampage. That was rampage. Yep. So we'll we'll call that for last week's AEW. Uh, we'll go quickly into the preview for Boston's Dynamite that takes place tonight. Uh, we're going to have uh, Sky Blue versus Jamie Hayter. So we get to see Sky Blue on Dynamite. Shout out. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker and Soraya will go face-to-face. Uh, j- we're going to hear from John Moxley and MJF uh, in two separate things. Uh, an Eliminator tournament opening round for the AEW World Championship. We're having Eddie Kingston versus Ethan Page. Hell yes. Um, and this happened on Rampage, actually. Uh, Sammy Guevara challenged Brian Danielson to a two-out-of-three falls match. So very interested to see how that goes, and I'm excited to see how these two do in this match. And then we get the Acclaimed and FTR teaming up to face Swerve in Our Glory and the Gun Club in an eight-man tag match, which I'm not a fan of eight-man tags, but AEW has always pulled through for those types of matches. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how that turns out. This is the FTR match I actually do care about, so that's good. Now, I'm really excited because they are literally the two most popular teams in AEW, like... They might even be the two most popular acts in AEW uh, as far as uh, the acclaimed in FTR versus Swerving Our Glory in the Gun Club, which is hilarious because three of the four of them are heels. It's like Keith Lee is this is a lone face like, oh, don't cheat. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, like going to fall on deaf ears. Eddie Kingston, Ethan Page, if you get a chance, uh, you hear this before uh, the show, Go ahead and watch the Road 2 episode because they really built up their matches not liking each other. And that's uh, that's really good. 
uh, and they've had some words on Twitter in the last few months, so it's even works better. Uh, so that's good. Um, you know, I want to see what Brit, you know, what Soraya has to do, and if they can execute this well. Because as far as heat going into a pay per view. Man, if they want to, they can make this scorching hot if they want to. You know, if they really Oh sure. If they really hit a home run on this segment. I, I'm I'm actually putting a lot of pressure on Soraya and Britt Baker to make this make people want to see this match. Because I, I want to see the match. You want to see the match. But we do we do an AEW podcast, right? So we were kinda wanna go to see this match before. So make the person that hasn't seen Paige wrestle or you know, not that you don't not that familiar with Britt Baker, like give me something memorable that I can throw in a GIF or a little video and post online to make other people want to see you wrestle. You know what I mean? I just yep. think I, there's a lot riding on this segment as far as she says she's uh, Soraya says she's here to build something. She's here to get the eyes on the product. I mean, I mean, again, I know she doesn't listen to the show, but. Tomorrow's like, you know, at the, like you've had a lot of stuff come up and it's been all okay, but tomorrow is step up time. It is put, put some asses in seats, sell some pay-per-views tomorrow night. Right, absolutely. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how this Dynamite comes out. And then we also have on Rampage, the matches that were announced, uh, Roosh versus Bandito, uh, Brian Cage versus Dante Martin, and Lance Archer versus Ricky Starks. Yes. So in case I did not put this on the notes, I should have. Uh, that is the rest of round one of the Eliminator Tournament opening round. So Roosh and Bendito is on the same side as Eddie Kingston and Ethan Page. That's on the left side. On the right side, you have Lance Archer and Ricky Starks. And then Brian Cage and Dante Martin. All three of these matches are going to happen on Rampage. And... That by that the end of the first round will be done, and they'll probably do the uh, the uh, semifinals next week on Dynamite. So, do you All have right, a prediction on who you see winning it? Do you think it's going to be Ricky? That would be my guess personally. Ricky would be my guess, just because I mean he's got the guy that would be like the more entertaining. I feel like uh, for a feud, and then like. I mean, if he loses, it doesn't hurt him too much, I feel like. So I would probably go Ricky. I'm going to go out on a limb. I've been thinking about this all week. I'm going to go out on a limb. Bandito. And, mm. I'm, and I'm raising the stakes. If Bandito wins, we are going to do a $100 Shave AEW gift card giveaway. Okay, there you go. Be, there you go. Bandito, so everybody, now everybody that listens to the show is going to root for Bandito. Money where my mouth is all the time. Boom, Bandito wins the tournament. I'm doing a giveaway. Because I just think you just signed him. You got Roosh to begin with. It's like, then you got Ethan Page and, you know, Eddie Kingston. You can go Bandito versus Ricky Starks in the finals or whatever. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to go with Bandito to win it all. All right. So now y'all well, that, hope, now y'all can hope I spoil it, you know. Yeah, now you got to hope that the predictions are right. <laughs> yes, no. Uh, but that was AEW uh our previews for AEW this week. Uh finally before we go, uh we have a couple headlines that we want to go through real quick to close things out with your news in AEW. Well, I said this earlier, but uh FTR 
uh, won their tag match over the weekend at, I think it was called Autumn Showdown. It was a weird name. Uh, Battle Autumn 22. They will beat Great O'Connor and Jeff, Carb, uh, Jeff Cobb. And they then were cutting a promo after the show, and they got basically ran up on by United Empire, and there was some t- uh, smack talk, and they tried to share a beer with them, and then they, they gave them the fingers. So uh, United Empire then said they're going to win the, the tournament, uh, which is called the World Tag League, and they're going to win the World Tag League because the winner of the World Tag League gets a title shot against FTR, uh, at, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, I personally, hey, if you want to do United Empire again, I would not mind that. Um, uh, what is it? Um, Lance Archer is going to be in the Global Tag League with Minoru Suzuki as his tag team partner. So you could get that. So there's a lot of different results there. But that's really all the news that I got this week. Um, I don't think, I mean, of course... Uh, I forgot Jeff Jarrett's actual title. I did want to go over that, uh, his actual title. It's like Global Brand. Um, let's see. Hold on just a second. This is what happens when you don't write things down. But Jeff Jarrett has, you know, a title. And that's kind of uh, that's kind of cool for him. But I, I truly believe it's going to be like you're going to see the expanded role uh, expanded role of Jeff Jarrett as far as AEW and him bringing it. Uh, the role is the AEW Director of Business Development. So that's that sounds like a big name. Uh, hopefully they'll be adding. Uh, uh, hopefully they'll be adding more, more shows soon. So uh, yeah. So Austin having technical difficulties again. So I am going to actually close this out. Uh, make sure. You are listening to our fine show on the Red Circle or whatever podcast app that you have, iPhone, Android, we're everywhere. Make sure you're uh, following me at Floyd Johnson Jr. or at Austin Sumowitz. That's S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And you can follow us, especially if we end up doing the uh, giveaway, uh, at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we've had a mostly... You know, one show without incident. So I will take that for you. So for Mr. Austin Sumowitz, I am Floyd Johnson, and I will leave you like I always leave you. Be nice to each other. Buy everyone lots of presents for Christmas if you can afford it. If you can't, you know, you know, you can be nice. That's free. Love everybody. Tell them how you feel about them. There's a whole bunch of different things you can do to make somebody feel special. This is the time of year to do it. And with that, leave you as I always leave you. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.